0: people's poetry podcast with me jimmy bowman Hello, bonsoir, bonjour, hola, wherever you're listening from. Hello, welcome to People's Poetry Podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us. This is episode five of series seven. Who thought we'd get to seven series? What a ride it's been. This is the poetry and spoken word podcast that follows me, Jimmy Bowman, a teacher and poet myself, as I wander the UK to chat to a range of poets and explore the UK's love affair with poetry. Now, this podcast is not just For those who are already into poetry, our mission, my mission, is to show you that there is poetry for all walks of life and there is something out there written for you. This series, we've continued our open mic segment and what joy it's been to hear all of the submissions I've received. Today's open mic submission comes from Stuart Russell and this piece is entitled Cranberry Fields. Cranberry Fields. Memories are like
1: cranberries, floating Floating in flooded fields. As I wade through them, I notice some are damaged and rot. But I can still cherry-pick the best ones and enjoy them. Not only does the water support my own weight, it supports every single experience. Each moment, past and present And I thank it for that Every summer, a trip into fall And before the harvest, I throw myself back And just float Embracing all of myself of the fun, fruit and friendship. Even the murky decisions have a sort of joy to them. Some of them. Now, as my thirtieth summer ends, I remember everything that made me. Everything I left behind. give thanks for all of it. All of it.
0: Our featured poet for this episode is the wonderful Ian Whiteley. What a lovely geezer. Such a joy to sit down and talk to him, full of energy, full of life, even though it was through the magic of Zoom. I can't wait to actually meet him in person and have a pint. Lots and lots of laughter. He loves a chat and I love podcast guests who love to talk and it was brilliant to sit down and speak to him about his brand new collection, PING what a name as well, out on Right Bloody UK, the second of the winners from the first Right Bloody UK submission process last year. We spoke about his journey through language, he's had a lot of jobs, all links to language and wordsmithery somehow, so that was really interesting to speak about. Lots of variation of themes in Ping and how they were tied together, we spoke about that, and again we spoke about that Right Bloody UK process. This episode, I'm joined by Ian Whiteley, who has got a debut collection out on Right Bloody UK. It's called Ping. It's a great name for a brilliant collection. Thanks for joining me.
2: All right, Jimmy, how's it going?
0: Good, mate. You?
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm, uh, yeah, exciter scared. Excited, scared. Exciter scared. My, um, my, uh, my friend Emma Hammond, who actually helped me, um, not she didn't help me write the book, but she uh, she kind of gave it the once over once I'd finished. Um, her collection came out quite recently as well, and uh, I was I was holding it in a in a photo or something. She said, "Oh, I'm excited, scared to see that," and I thought that's a brilliant word. And then <laughs> I was terrified about about talking to you today just because I haven't spoken to anyone for ages because <laughs> of lockdown. Yeah, um, and, uh, and I was like, "Yeah, excited, scared."
0: That's the word. I like it. I'm going to start using it. Excited, scared. Yeah we were just talking uh, off mic about performing and stuff as well because uh, that's been a while talking to people and actually doing poetry live like if you said you can't remember the last time you want to I
2: can yeah I actually can't remember I mean I to be honest I haven't done that much like live performing anyway like I'm not a, I'm not a spoken word performer as such in the sense that I've I, I've never really been to a spoken word night to be honest yeah, yeah. um I um uh uh, the, i think the last time i read aloud was actually at the poetry cafe um and actually funny enough it was for a, a night that emma hammond had on there again as well and it was uh it was one of these ones where you take your um uh you take your old diaries and right. uh you actually read your old diaries and i think i actually took my old diary and read from my old diary there's quite a lot of other people who turned up and clearly they'd you know it wasn't their diary and they performed a fantastic poem which was great you know but i was like oh i thought everyone was going to read from their diary and i uh, embarrassed myself by reading from a diary whereas <laughs> people actually read poems but that was that was good um and then before that i think it was at the troubadour i, I read at the troubadour quite a lot in um in earl's court and uh, but it must be two years since i've now performed crazy
0: yeah, that's a great idea for a night. I've never heard of that. Bring your old old diary. That must be nerve wracking though, especially if you bring your actual diary. Yeah. yeah,
2: I brought my diary with me, but I kept it very close to me at all times.
0: That's a great <laughs> idea. No, I, I was I was saying I was fine once I got there. It was really odd, but I, I was quite nervous for about an hour before. But then once I actually got to the festival, I was like, oh no, this is this is all right. This is this yeah, is quite nice. yeah.
2: I'm looking for yeah. It's it's. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting on the stage again and um, and actually, yeah, reading something, especially like you know having a <laughs> having a book. Since the last time I actually ever performed is kind of exciting. It's quite funny because quite a few of the poems in here I have read before at the Troubadour, but they've been a completely different version of them, or they've been do you know what I mean? And it's yeah. gone through so many different iterations, and now they're in the book. And I'm like, okay, now it's a finished. Poem, they've all, they've all got a new lease like of life. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go back to, before we get on to Ping, which we'll definitely be talking about, let's go back to the start of you and your poetic journey, because I, I asked this question, I don't mean sort of what was the first poem you write, but can you pinpoint or remember the first time you were aware of poetry in general, whether that be at school or whether it was a particular poem? Yeah,
2: so I think that I've got... Um, I, it's a sort of long and protracted journey right. <laughs> to my my poetry journey, um, and it probably started off. Well, it definitely started off because my mum uh, is a teacher, uh, was a teacher. she's retired now, but she was um, uh, she was a teacher for a long time, and then she went and she started. She was one of the first teachers to kind of specialize in dyslexia, and we okay. had loads and loads of children's books just so many. Like you know, I mean, maybe we didn't have as many as I remember. I was just small, so. <laughs> the don't seem bigger but like i remember them being loads and so you know it was you know alan Al- albert roger McGough, all of that kind of stuff and then yeah. um, actually i'm going to show you i know the podcast well because i'm at my mum and dad's at the moment and i'm in their spare room and i spotted this so check this out i used to read this the blue people <laughs> book of limericks and i know no one else can see that but there's some amazing 70s hairdos on there yeah
0: man is that john noakes
2: um, again yeah 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 so it's like yeah there was a young fellow called Pete who was always most tidy and neat. When he stood on his head, both Val and John said, "Oh, look at his nice little feet!" So it was literally things like that that started yeah. me off. Um, but yeah, so we we still have quite a few of them now, and um, and so I used to read them like so much when I was little, mm. um, and then at junior school as well. I think I was I was kind of into it. I remember, in fact, someone weirdly posted. Um, a picture of us in like second second year juniors which I don't know what that translates as now but anyway and we'd uh, made a poetry book and I remember it was called a party of poems and I named it and then I had quite a few poems in there and I was like oh yeah I love poems and then um, at senior school I stopped doing English literature after GCSE and I just stopped I didn't do literature after that and I, I don't know why like um i remember us doing uh the thought fox <laughs> at, at, at gcse and that's the only thing i remember about poetry and then i didn't do any, didn't do literature after that i enjoyed doing it and i did well at it but um they just started doing an english language a level when i started doing my a levels and I think i seem to remember i don't know whether it was just the first one in the northwest of england but it was it was like the first English language A-level that was on offer in our school or something. So at the wow. time it was quite cutting edge and kind of, ooh, whereas now I think it's probably a bit like, ooh, you know, uh, you know, it's, is the more of a literature thing now? I don't know. But anyway, so I was like, oh yeah, I want to do that. And it's quite, I, I was thinking about it today because actually my job is still pretty much what that exam was when I did my A-level, English language A-level, which was kind of like, you get a load of stuff, Um and you turn it in you edit it and turn it into you know a leaflet or a booklet or a film or do you know what I mean and actually kind of what I've been doing ever since weirdly but um so this is a roundabout way of saying I stopped doing poetry you know (laughs) from about the age of 16 um and then I kind of went on and I did linguistics at university and I just didn't do any literature obviously I read books but I didn't read poems yeah and And then I remember, I don't know, there's sort of of like in my head at times thinking, oh, I I like poetry. I'd quite like to write poems. I'd quite like to get into poetry. But, oh, you just, it seems like a really difficult thing to get into. Like, you know, if you haven't been, I, I just thought I haven't studied this since I was 16. And there's all of these people who are like mad, crazy, passionate, like, really into like poetry and like you know they've been studying it for ages and I was like oh I don't I don't know anything I don't know anything about it um and uh it was only when I was well actually I went to so I did a linguistics degree if I'm perfectly honest I didn't spend as much I think I've heard you say this before Jimmy as well didn't spend as much time studying for linguistics as I could have done
0: yeah yeah
2: and I came out of it you know now I got a degree and in the end I you know I ended up working in this in in a sort of related field but I always kind of thought oh you know what I didn't really do as much as I could have could have could have then so I was like oh you know and so I actually went back and I did a master's in English language quite a lot later when I was in like my mid-30s and I don't really know why I did it, other than I just wanted to prove my, to myself that actually I could study linguistics. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I did. It. And one of the, one of the um, modules, it was, it was distance learning. I did it over like three years. And one of the modules was stylistics. And I got really into it. And the stylistics module was basically like the linguistic, like applying linguistic rules onto poems and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, I love this. This mm. is great. And um, so in the back of my mind, I'd always had this sort of poetry thing. And then this stylistics thing came along and I was like, I really like this. So once I finished that, I then um, realised that the Faber Academy was kind of around the corner from where I lived. And um, thought, mm, maybe I should sign up to a course there. And then didn't. And then one night when I was drunk, I just put well, my credit card out and bought on <laughs> And I was not like, oh, do I'm doing a uh, doing a poetry course and um and I'm really glad I did. Yeah um that said I had been writing and toying with a few poems and stuff from about the age of about 31, 32. I'd kind of written one or two and I was like mm, are these any good or are these not? And I mean they, they actually I don't know if they were really but I'd written like one or two and then I'd just kind of put them away and thought nah you know so there was still something there but but it took it took to the age of 39 to think right i'm going to start doing you know actually writing and um <laughs> this is quite embarrassing but the writing kind of came before i then realized while i was writing i have to be reading poems as well <laughs> before that i was reading books you know but not really poems yeah. and um and i went to the um i went to the favourite course and the first day um, I did have Joe Shatcott's book because she was one of the teachers, and I did have Daljit Nagra's book because he was one of the other teachers. and I bought those, and I did have some poetry books on my shelves. Um, but I um, uh, I remember them saying, Oh, so so, who are your favorite poets? And I thought, I don't even know any <laughs> poets, really. I, I,
0: quite, <laughs> um, <laughs> I quite like the uh, limericks of John Noakes. <laughs>
2: yeah, no. <laughs> and I was like, Okay, right, if you're going to write, you need to be reading poets as well and I mean you know that sound I, I don't want that to sound I don't I don't want that to be taken the wrong way because I love reading poems now and I love and it but it's it's all been a kind of it has all been a journey that I started at the same time if you see what I yeah, mean yeah yeah. I think so, it's a good,
0: a good point to make because a lot of people do as you sort of described fall into love with the the process of writing and coming up with ideas and trying to paint these ideas you know in a creative way on the page but they they do forget sometimes that one of the best ways to learn and hone your craft is is to obviously read what else is out there yeah for sure
2: yeah i would actually say like um some of the poems in in the book that were were something else have just improved so much after i've read another poem and then sort of gone oh you know what i think this kind of works like that works better like that and it's almost like um, I've actually, a couple of, a few teachers that I've had have actually said, you know, when well, you read, you know, read something you like and then copy it. And I mean, don't mean literally just yeah. like, copy it out like that, but actually you can take the style of it and, you know, or maybe the syllables in the line length or, do you know what I mean? And 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 really shape it like that. So um, one of the, it's been quite a bizarre year because until this year, I didn't have any poems published at all and then i had three poems published in the north earlier on in the year before the book came out and um, and that uh one of those in that um called sublet is actually based on a poem by nick laird called property but the the subject of it isn't anything to isn't anything like it or anything like that but actually the the syllable lengths are the same and the shape of the poem is the same. Mm. But weirdly as well, when I wrote the poem, it wasn't called sublet. It was called Narcissists, which is the wrong name for it. I know that now. But I was on a course with him and he said, oh, you know, and he didn't know that I'd based it on his poem property. But I don't think this poem would be better called sublet. And I was thinking about it the other day and I was like, that's so weird because the subject isn't anything to do with his poem, but the shape of it is the same, and it's based. I, I wrote it after reading his poem. Yeah, the line lengths are the same, the shapes the same, and then he said, "Why don't you call it sublet?" Which is really quite closely related to property. <laughs> yeah. So that's weird.
0: Mad. <laughs> <laughs> There's some things just work out like that, I guess. Yeah, as well
2: Yeah. I, I can't remember what I was saying before I got onto that, but you know, hopefully it was related to it.
0: <laughs> you, you've had, I mean, you've mentioned a few there, but you've had quite a varied career, but but one all. Closely aligned to English and language and writing in a creative way. It has anything, because you know, you, you know was it a cop, was copywriting something you did? And
2: yeah, I'm a copywriter. That's yeah. what that is what I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So has there been anything from that sort of world that you've been able to transfer in, into your poetry career or writing or any sort of method or processes that you use that are very similar?
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, I definitely wouldn't call call it a poetry career.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, you're a published poet. (laughs) Yeah, I am,
2: yeah. Weird. Downplaying yourself, yeah. Weird. Um, Sorry, going back to the question. um, Yes, absolutely, definitely, no doubt about it. It, um, I find the... (laughs) I find the process of writing a poem actually very similar to the process of coming up with an idea. Um, Like, probably have to step back a bit there and sort of explain. Sometimes in copywriting, uh, you work with an art director and you kind of work together on an idea and then you turn that idea into something, whether it's um, it could be a radio ad or it could be a website or it could be a TV ad or it could be a catalogue or like, it could be anything really. And um, I really think that having to come up with the idea and then how you execute it, I think that is the same for me anyway, with poetry as it is with my work. Um, it's kind of, I feel a bit weird saying that about my work um, it, because I don't really, I, I don't really know what I do anymore. I'm, <laughs> I am a writer, like I, I write for a living. But I I don't work in advertising per se, like I I just, I just write things these days (laughs) Um, and I seem to get away with it. Um, So I do think that they are very closely related um, in terms of coming up with the idea and then how you execute it. Yeah.
0: I, th- I think you could label yourself genuinely as a wordsmith these days, whether it be for adverts or for, for virtue, you're a man of words. There you go.
2: Uh, maybe, I, I, don't, I don't know, just, uh, yeah, winging it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've articulated it very well there, because I, but I, I really think that um, my sort of copywriting career or advertising career, or, you know, I use the term career loosely, um, has definitely... Um, helped in my poetry I also going back to starting to write poetry um, I really had a need to write poetry in a selfish way because you kind of during the day you're coming up with creative ideas for people and or brands or whatever and all of this kind of stuff and a lot of the time either an idea doesn't get bought and then you've it's kind of you've spent all of this thinking time and you've got nothing to show for it and yeah it takes you know it's a lot of energy to kind of come up with these ideas and like a lot of them you'll think are great and people are like oh no we don't want to use it and then I just used to let them go and then that Mm. was it it was gone and you come home at the end of the day feeling pretty exhausted and thinking well what was the point of that like I've used all this creative energy and it's like for what and then um, aside from that you've also got the the, you know whether you really want to be using all of this creative energy to sell a supermarket or whatever, but I'm not. I won't go there now. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, and uh, so, so there's that. Um, so you can come to it at the end of the day and sort of think, well, I want to do something. I want to do something creative that 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 is there and that exists and that I have power over, rather than giving it to. Um, you know a brand or a company and them going oh yeah we like that idea let's mangle it completely and turn it into something rubbish yeah um, I didn't say that so you know yeah, I did oh well <laughs> we did <that> <laughs> um, but, but so that's so I think it's it, it, it was kind of like a way of going okay yeah I can use some of this creative energy for myself but then having said that sometimes when you're writing a poem the poem completely goes away from you anyway doesn't it so you don't even have that power but at least it's
0: yours on the page, and you can do what you want with it. So, yeah, yeah. I've always thought about, especially TV adverts. Like, for for starters, sometimes the the advert's horrendous, and you think, what have they rejected to have picked that? There must have been some great ideas that have just just faded away and not been used. Um, but also, yeah, the the amount of people that. That, that come up with these ideas for adverts, things like that. And then they, you know, they can only use one at the end of the day. So yeah, it's yeah. kind of, it's kind of interesting to hear you say, actually I, I stopped throwing these ideas away and I tried to make something like nice out of it.
2: It's kind of, it's a bit, it's weird in the sense that I would say the first, I've, I've never had like a glittering John Lewis, woo, look at me advertising. Really. I just haven't had that. Um, but but I would say, kind of, the first half of my um, copywriting life was was quite creative. I worked in some really cool places, actually. That you know, where we got to do lots of really fun things, and they weren't TV ads, but you know, it was it was you know, yeah, genuinely really pretty creative places.
0: Yeah. Um.
2: And then I kind of thought, I don't really, don't really love this that much? no that's that's the wrong thing it's not that I didn't love it but it's just that there isn't really anywhere to go unless you're willing to work 24 hours a day to sell a supermarket like I said and I'm sorry I'm just not really into you know it's a bit weird when you work in advertising and you're kind of pretty anti-capitalism but anyway there you go um, <laughs> The second the second half of my copywriting life really has been a bit more serious and I've done quite a lot more kind of Business type stuff. Mm. And although it's so, it's the same process, but it's kind of less creative in the sense that you don't have like bells and whistles and singing and stuff. Like that. But in a weird way, that has meant that it's been easier for me to divert that creativity into writing poems instead. Yeah. I think. Do you know what I mean? Because then I'm like, I'm not, I mean, you know, you do, you are still doing the same work, but I can kind of go, okay, I'm leaving that now. And now I'm going to do something like bonkers for myself not
0: bonkers but you know yeah yeah yeah. that makes total sense yeah let's talk about the right bloody uk submissions process because obviously that's that's when i first saw your name and francisco as well getting shortlisted for that i mean it it was a pretty mad process wasn't it
2: you were shortlisted for it weren't
0: you yeah yeah that's what i mean that's the first time when i saw the name, yeah yeah exactly yeah that was weird i mean how did you find it because i mean uh, we had, we had to make a video didn't you as well as part of the the submissions uh, which, which poem did you do is the video out of interest
2: um so i actually I did the poem sublet which was the one I was talking about um yep. that um is related to one that Nick Laird wrote um I did that one, but i had to it was i i i didn't i was i was still getting my head around the submissions process not just for Write bloody but for everything else mm. and it had already been submitted to the north at that point and I don't and it hadn't come out and so I wasn't sure whether <laughs> whether I could upload it onto YouTube but I was like I really want to do this one like I know it off by heart and I I think it's quite a good one to you know to showcase so I filmed it but I like I had to unlist it and not have it anywhere because
0: yeah. I couldn't yeah, yeah.
2: Because, you know, like you can't publish things if they haven't been published in other places, can you? And all that kind of stuff. So, um, so yes, yeah, so it was unlisted. But the, the other thing was I had been, um, I'd just moved back up to the Lake District because I knew there was going to be another lockdown. I'm very close to my mum and dad. I hadn't seen them for a long time. And I was like, I was in the process of moving anyway. Um, so I was like, OK, I'm going to temporarily move back to the Lakes. And... Uh, you know, in case K- if there's a lockdown, blah, 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 I'll be here. But I was um, renting a friend's place that was just the most garish, like, house you've ever seen. It had, like, orange walls with, I'm not joking, orange walls with, like, um, horns in, like, the coming out of the walls. And, like, I mean, you think the, the the pictures here are nuts. I mean, it was, it actually ends up in the book. There's a, there's a poem that's, like, uh, this house is nuts, orange walls, Orange or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And it's actually about that. Um, because it but it was literally the worst place to be recording a poem for like a cool place like right bloody. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, like, <laughs> so I ended up I ended up doing it in black and white, which is you know that's kind of normal, but I ended up I had there was literally nowhere to do it. So I had to like and I was living on my own and it was I can't remember if it was locked down then or not. I've lost track of time. But anyway, so I I filmed it and then I had to put the poem on one half of the thing just to hide like some of the like mental furniture that was <laughs> in the thing. And it ended up looking pretty cool. I was pretty pleased with it. But it was such a it was actually more traumatic trying to like disguise all of the weird furniture than actually do the um do the poem. But yeah, so I did sublet. Black and white, it, it works
0: wonders. Well, I, just I, and white. I was gonna oh, say I back did black, and white. And white. yeah. Mm-hmm. I well, like I
2: saw that. yours and I was like, there's no chance I'm
0: gonna get um selected <laughs> <laughs> I was I literally was like lucky I went to school with Bill um because that's what he does for a living. Yeah. And I was like, Can you do me a favor? <laughs> can we can we go around all putting and just uh do, do some poetry? Thank really you. good. Thank you. So I mean, obviously getting uh getting through that, that submissions process. I mean, talk to me about finding out that that. Must have been a great, great day. I mean, how was it? Because then, yeah. then you had a, like a time constraint again, didn't you, to get the rest of the poetry written? Because I think we yeah. only submitted twenty, didn't we? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, how, how how was it? How did it feel? How was writing the book? Well,
2: the whole thing was really weird, actually, because as I mentioned just then, I'd moved up to the lakes temporarily, mm. and um, I mean, you know, we were all going through a bizarre time, weren't we? Knew yeah. Things so I moved up, and I, I'm lucky because I can work from home so I was still working but I was working from home but because I'm freelance I I literally last year didn't really know whether I was going to be working or not from one week to the next it was pretty mad um so I moved up and I thought right I really want to try and write a book this year (laughs) that's what I thought and so I had a bag of clothes and a bag of poetry books (laughs) and I thought I'm gonna like reread all of my notes from all of my courses I've been on I'm gonna like Write a book and like then try and get it published somewhere. And um, but I'd seen the right bloody thing, and I thought, well, I'm going to enter it anyway. um So I entered it, and I, I actually I'd only just moved back up when I saw that we were in the long list or the short list or whatever it is, uh, and I was like, oh, brilliant! So I was already in my head. I was like, okay, I, I need to focus on doing these poems. Now I, I had about twenty anyway that I was kind of happy with, <laughs> but I didn't think I, I didn't then think after the twenty that. I didn't think I was then going to win. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, in my head, I was like, okay, so I'm going to be in the Lady District for three months while I figure out what I'm doing. And, you know, I might be working, but I might not be working. And if I'm not working, then I can focus on trying to write a book and then I can focus on trying to get a publisher. I mean, I know that's kind of ludicrous, you kind of think. But um, so I kind of had it in my head that I was going to write these poems anyway. And then when I got through to the 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 next round the 20 I was like oh oh brilliant and I didn't really think of anything I was like okay cool I'll just focus on these and so um yeah I already had it in my head I was writing poems so at that point it didn't really make that much difference because I was like okay I'm going to be doing this anyway it was a bit of a pain in the ass because I actually had loads of work on as well not I mean I'm very happy about that because thankfully I was getting paid yeah. but I was like I wasn't planning on I didn't know whether it was going to be working I didn't think I was going to be writing 20 poems or whatever um but yeah so I think after when it when I got selected when I found out I won I'd been on a like I'd been on a 15 mile run or something and I I'd actually just got back from the run and then I got the email and I was like what <laughs> <laughs> and I was really happy but I was also like Oh my god! I've got to write because <laughs> yeah. you know, I didn't have them, <laughs> or at least I thought I didn't have them, but yeah. I did actually have quite a few of them in some form. Yeah, that ended up being something else. But yeah, so it, I have to say, winning was brilliant, but actually, the following four months was quite hectic. Like, yeah. but it was a brilliant hectic. I, I, you know, I'm so happy. And also, what you were saying before about um, about my. My work as a copywriter again, I feel like I work really well to a deadline because of that, so you have a deadline, and you're kind of like, "Okay, I have to have this done so I'm kind of used to having a deadline and I'm kind of used to having to produce something creative of some kind. I'm not saying it's always great, but do you know what I mean yeah, yeah so yeah. in a weird way, it was actually better for me to have a deadline and be like, "Okay, you have to do this now, but then also crazily I'd already in my head gone i want to write a book while i'm here and it uh, ended up happening <laughs> Weirdly, I'm,
0: I'm the same as you with deadlines except what what i like to do apparently is to to make the deadline shorter and i just won't do anything for like half of the time <laughs> oh god yeah
2: yeah yeah no no yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean uh yeah it's uh deadlines are definitely definitely something that worked for me <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm with you on that. So, for anyone who hasn't read Ping, how would how would you describe this this collection? Because it's it's quite varied, isn't it, in terms of stuff that's in there? Because you get some poetry collections, and there's a really sort of one obvious narrative or theme. But what I quite enjoyed about Ping is that there's there's lots going on. So, yeah, anyone who hasn't read it, how would you describe Ping?
2: Um, so uh, Ping is so. I I guess what. Taking that as a lot of pamphlets and things have a theme, right? Don't they? Mm-hmm. You know, you get you get a particular theme, theme, in that, and but then a lot of a lot of collections don't have a theme. And my book, this book, is quite personal, actually, in a lot of ways. Um, and there's a lot of things in it that actually no one apart from me will even get or understand, I suppose. And I suppose the personal aspect of it comes from the fact that I started writing it, or I started I started finishing it because I already had written quite a few poems. I started finishing it um, when I'd moved back to my childhood home. So um, it starts off in the seventies, actually, with Pong, mm-hmm. um, and, it, and and the reason it starts off. There is because my mum and dad used to play Pong on the Atari all night long um, before I was born. And so it actually goes in a chronological order. It's not my life story, but it does go in a chronological order from Pong, from starting playing video games in the 70s through to, um, say, to Ping, which is kind of like a an imaginary parental death really I guess so it's kind of like it's actually it actually spans my parents life uh, 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 lifespan through through my years if you see what I mean so it goes from before I was born to when one of them dies which is a bit macabre and I don't think they even know that so if they ever listen to this sorry <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes that said what I'm really lucky in the sense that this is a collection, so therefore I am able to play around with loads of different styles and mm. not be kind of pigeonholed in one kind of oh um you know he writes um, pantoums or like he he's tried to do some. Triolet. It's it's like there's a lot of things, isn't there? You know, there's 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 a lot of rhyme, there's a lot of traditional forms, but then there's quite a bit of free verse as well, and there's quite a lot of jokes and. I think that it, on the surface, it's probably quite throwaway and funny, but I would hope, touch wood, that, um, you know, there is quite a lot going on underneath it, really. Oh, definitely, um, yeah. You know, and um, I think actually, so I, I'm not not at all <laughs> um, comparing myself to Seamus Heaney <laughs> at all, <laughs> but... Um, I think the first time I kind of it, something clicked with me about poetry was in a class with Daljit Nagra on that first course that I that I did at Faber, and he and he showed us a sofa in the forties, me is a sofa in the forties, and I was like, and he was you know telling us all about what it means and about you know um, all the political stuff behind it and the trains and going to the concentration camp, and I was like, I would just read this as like some children on on the sofa like how do i know that there's all of this depth underneath it mm. and then um, it was such a weird moment for me and then i was like oh of course that that's all going on underneath there and um so i've tried in a few of them <laughs> to kind of to be kind of on that surface level of one thing but actually there's a lot going on underneath as well um that's probably a really long-winded way of me saying like <laughs> it's just not got one single consistent thread going through the book <laughs> no it's good it's good I um
0: no, no, I, I think it's, it's
2: kind of I just kind of I, I feel really um uh lucky to have had the opportunity to actually do it as a book because I, I did feel think of it all, as a project do you know what I mean it isn't lots of disparate things so if you look through everything is placed in a particular way you know there's a reason for the poems being in the order that they're in and Mm -hmm. I mean you know whether anyone actually notices that or not is another matter but I I know that you know it is you know there is a there is a thread running through it yeah Um, and it's got certain sections as well so you know the final section is kind of a lot more about uh the lake district and there's a lot more kind of nature led and then before that you've got the kind of like the london section and then you know there's kind of like a period where that is kind of like a broad i'm now i don't know why i'm explaining it backwards that's a really stupid (laughs) thing to do but anyway you know so it it does have um it does have a theme through it i think i sound like i'm making excuses for myself
0: no i think i think i think (laughs) that was i think that was quite clear especially the nature bit when when it got to those plans like the pantoon at the end um and and uh, the, the poem about cycling, I can't remember what it's called now. Yeah, Cycling it's to it, Outcast, yeah. Outcast, I mean, it.
2: it's, a, it's a blessing, really, because, like, Outcast is a place here. And, um, I mean, what a great name. It's just a gift, really, isn't it? To, yeah. To, yeah. Cycling to Outcast, yeah. Although um, my friend Rachel did think when I first told her the name of that poem, she actually thought I meant that I was cycling to the band Outcast with a K, um, which is a <laughs> completely different <laughs> reading of the poem.
0: <laughs> um amazing that's,
2: that's actually a really interesting poem for me in the sense that it nearly was in and then it wasn't in and it's one of the oldest ones um one of the oldest ones in the book um and i have read it before and it uh out and it's been through so many iterations and i don't know whether it's because it's very personal to me or what but i just kept you oh, "No, this isn't right this isn't right and it went away and it was you know left to kind of you know sort of improved on its own or whatever. Yeah. And then um and then it nearly didn't go in. And then there was just a, there's a line in it that says something like, uh oh, I do da, da 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 a donkey or something like that was the line. And I was like, oh, it's wrong, it's wrong. And then I was actually running to Outcast. Um and there was all these allotments and I was like da da, da allotments. And I was like allotments is much better than a donkey. <laughs> and I put that in and I was like oh brilliant. I'm putting that in now. Yeah. Thankfully. So yeah.
0: <laughs> and I love poems like that I spoke about poems that are like very personal before on the podcast and you do they, they do they can sit in drawers for years but once you have that eureka moment in your case allotments then yeah you feel yeah. much better about putting it in what I loved about ping, though, is there are, as you said, moments of humour, but they're, they're sort of juxtaposed with these really tender moments throughout it as well. And the bits about uh, nature towards the end are all quite poignant and quite optimistic. But then some of the poems, the tone in it, you're quite cynical. And I love it. It's the thing that's constant is your voice. I think you've you've really found your voice in this collection, which is something some poets struggle still uh, with, don't they? Finding their own voice form is something you spoke about already and you you mentioned pantoons but you've got haikus in there what inspired you to think right I am going to have some sort of traditional forms in the book
2: yeah so I that is a good question um I when I was when I decided okay I want to learn about poems and poetry I was like oh I really need to, I really need to learn forms. And I know that you don't, I know that you don't have to do that. But mm-hmm. for me, I was like, I really, I really need to understand them or, you know, and I, I'm not saying I do understand them because like Haiku are just mind blowing. I don't think I'll ever like really understand them. But um, I just thought I really want to understand how forms work in order to feel for myself that I know how to, how poetry works do you know what i mean yeah yeah. i really wanted to do um that said (laughs) um around the time of writing the book i was doing a course (laughs) on form (laughs) right
0: right okay
2: um and so so that was handy so that was one of the reasons that that, that i think that's probably one of the reasons why why there is form in there but I wouldn't have just put it in there like for the sake of it I think you know I, I I liked them and I I really enjoyed doing them I also feel that it's it's like a puzzle isn't it they're like a puzzle they're really it's a real challenge and so I guess in the way that maybe someone likes doing sudoku or something like that I actually found them mm. you know I could spend I like with the the pantuma I, like literally I spent like days just playing around with things because I just you know when you you know when you really get in the zone and you're like yeah I yeah. actually loved it um strangely the haiku I found really um I found them so difficult and I know it's you know <laughs> it's all about you know editing it down and making it you know I know that doing things making things shorter is very very difficult and often that's like the hardest thing isn't it but I just found the amount of effort I had to put in and then at the end I was like and that's <laughs> only that
0: yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> and it was weird and I kind of at first I didn't like them and I was like oh what do you think about them and people I like, know oh, I like those I like this and then I left them it's the key isn't it although it's difficult to leave things when you've only got four months but i left them for as long as i could and i came back to them and was like oh no i do like
0: them. yeah
2: um so yeah so i think i wanted to learn about form because i just for me felt like i needed to know it in order to think for myself that i understood poetry but i know that you don't have to know those at all to yeah. poetry. do you know what i mean it was just it was something for me that i I oh, yeah. totally.
0: I, I'm with you on the the, the puzzle thing. I, I enjoy that side of it. I think part of it for me as well is just to to prove to yourself that actually you you can do this as well. Because I submitted to the right bloody one who did twenty. I think one of them was a villanelle and one was a golden shovel. Yeah. Uh, and and you you can you can as you say play around with these forms for so long. And it can still be a shit poem, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but when but when something clicks and you've got it yes. in a form, it's special. Yeah. It's special. Yeah, yeah,
2: totally. But actually, so funnily enough, I've 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 never written a villanelle. I've still never written a villanelle, and um, I'm terrified of writing one. So I haven't done that yet. But so I I, I wrote a golden shovel, shovel um, that and I absolutely loved it. Not that it wasn't. I didn't submit it. In fact, I nearly submitted it. But um, I loved it as a poem. Mm. And I read it to um, to the, the tutor and she was like, no, 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 it's all wrong. No, you can't. you know." And I was like, I love it. I think it's a brilliant poem. She's like, no, no, no. <laughs> and, um, uh, I think it's one of those ones. It kind of, weirdly, it works when I read it aloud and I'm still getting my head around this whole kind of thing of like what's on the page and what, you know, what works well on the page and what works well spoken. But I think it works well aloud, but it doesn't work well on the page. And when you read it aloud, you've
0: got no idea that it's a golden shovel at all. Cause... Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <I> mean, no. <laughs> yeah. No one, no one. I I read the one I opened with at the weekend was a golden shovel. And obviously I didn't mention it. Cause I was like, yeah. so, yeah, that
2: can be the poets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's
0: probably, probably the, the, the newest form that I've discovered that I've yeah. enjoyed, really enjoyed. I think I wrote one where I stayed true to the golden shovel roots. And it was a Gwendolyn Brooks poem. Yeah. Um, uh, for the lovers of the poor, I used a line from that. And then the other one I did was a golden shovel, but Simon Armitage kid. Cause that was one right, of the, right, yeah, uh, yeah. the only poem I remember really, really loving at school. And it was that line about Batman pressure cooking giblets. Did you do that one?
2: As the, yeah. That,
0: that the, line was yeah. the, just cause I thought giblets is a great, yeah. great word as well, but yeah. but yeah, fantastic to see some form in there. Usually uh, as you know, she's, been listening to a couple of these, I, I pick a few poems out that I enjoyed. I always pick too many, but there's a couple yeah. I'd like you to talk about if that's all right. Yeah. Um, I am an old soul, I've, I shouldn't have been born in this uh, this era, I don't think. And file sharing 1987 I absolutely loved because that that is what I would want my life to be like now, or if I was at school now, swapping uh 45s rather than uh, memory sticks, Eurovision Party. I loved as well. I'm a massive Eurovision fan. I think I spoke about it on the podcast before. But again, some of the lines in there, when you're referring to the shop as a dead people's shop, I thought was great. Um, that, that made me chuckle. The scaffolding poem on scaffolding, I really enjoyed. I thought the rhyme and the rhythm you had going on just perfectly sort of captured these wide boys that are scaffolders as well. The nuts poem that you've mentioned already kind of reminded me, I don't know if you've ever seen The Fast Show, and he's like, Oh
2: yeah, the fast show, yeah, yeah,
0: brilliant. yeah. brilliant. This is
2: you know brilliant. What? So that oh, that's so funny that you say that because I wrote it. I wrote the poem, and then afterwards, I was like, oh god, that's like <laughs> like the fast show. It was, yeah, I, I was. So um, yeah, exactly it what wasn't I thought. Intentional? It wasn't intentional, but yeah, you're right. It does. It's um, yeah. Oh god. On, a, on a
0: personal level, I loved it um because my, <laughs> I've got a friend who describes everything as nuts. Like, oh, this track's nuts. So so it was it was quite cool reading that absolutely loved the rats of 214 oxford street which i'm gonna ask you a little bit more about just because i remember that top shop so so very well and it was there forever and i know it's not now Mankle, i think was one of your quite funnier poems as well i hate three-quarter limp, so that that made me laugh um <laughs> subliminal but rave uh rave for one and the pantoum in autumn i thought you know, just some really beautiful imagery in it as well, towards that sort of end in the nature section. Yeah, man, there's there's a lot going on. There's this I mean you should be so proud.
2: Oh, thanks, man. It's it's I I, it's, I am proud of it, but it's sort of it's just been such a weird year for everyone. I mean, it's just been the craziest 18 months, hasn't it? And like I'm really lucky because I'm I work from home and but really, you know. So I haven't really been out very much for the last 18 months. So it's a very, very bizarre feeling to sort of have this book and sort of think, oh yeah, this I've done this book and this book's been published, but it doesn't kind of almost feel real because I've not I haven't been anywhere to read any of it or, or say, you know what I mean? So yeah, unless, I am proud, but I'm like it, it's not real.
0: <laughs> yeah, unless you've been out and had the opportunity to read it to people and yeah, you know, see yeah. people. So I'm
2: looking forward to that. I'm going coming back down to London finally in a couple of weeks and then where well fern and i are just figuring out when i'm gonna like read and stuff but hopefully soon
0: yeah well let me know and i'll, I'll make sure i'm there Oh, I
2: love it. Yeah. but
0: talking talking to london talk to me about this the the rats of 214 oxford street poem because i i love that poem
2: Oh, thanks, man. I've got. I've actually got. So I've got. I've got a misprint copy here, and I saw this. I saw the book, and I was like, "Wow, this is massive!" <laughs> um, but it's actually two. It's actually two books that are printed <laughs> into one. But it's quite good because it's going to be my performance one now because it it looks pretty impressive and good. So I'm just finding <laughs> the poem because I uh, haven't memorized it. <laughs> um, yeah. So the rats are two, one, four, Um So this. So I think this is the. Something that I can say about this is the value of um, taking classes or being in workshops or or whatever, because I wouldn't have, I don't think I would have written this poem if it wasn't for being in a workshop or a class. I, like, I have a really good online course that I go to um, called Between the Lines. I'll give uh, Kahal Dalla a quick plug, plug there, but I just really like his courses because you get given a load of poems to read and then you everything we do is online so I don't actually discuss it which is so this is quite bizarre for me talking about poems like with people because it's normally all done by words and it's quite easy to hide behind your words because you can Mm. sound better but anyway so we'd been studying Naomi Shihab Nye and she has a poem about rats Um, and so you get given a theme so the theme that we had to write about was was rats but this poem is nothing like a Neon Shell no, poem, I don't think. But the week before, we'd been doing some poems by, I think, Paul Farley. And um, and I kind of feel like I was a week behind in processing the style of the poem and then taking the subject from the current class, if you see what I mean. So yeah. there was that going on. But then, obviously, I'd been reading the newspapers, and you know, and it was all about um rats taking over the em- all of the empty buildings in you know in london at, while we were all you know not in our offices um and then obviously top shop had just shut down and i just sort of thought well surely there must be rats in like <laughs> that building by now and so that's that's where it came from really and i li- yeah I, I actually i think uh, i think this poem is almost was mostly written all in one go which yeah. you might be able to tell i guess but um yeah but all of those with that combination of of things so the you know the subject from from one poet almost the style from another even though you know it's not like a paul farley poem really um and then all of the the kind of the modern the things that were happening there and then and it was just mush it all together and then i pretty much wrote it in one go i think um I'm not going to mention it, but there's a, there's a couple of things I would change in it now if it was if it, not not much, not much. But there's a few things I might change now if i, I, I'm I think, doing it again. I, I think, think actually, sorry to sorry to sort of dart back to you the question, but I think you were asking about what Ping is about, and I also wanted it to be very much a book of the this year because it was such a crazy year, mm. <laughs> you know. So things like this one, the Rats of 214 Rats of Street, I wanted that to be about that. And then I wanted these things about um, soy milk and milk substitute and all of that. And I wanted something about, you know, heart, three-quarter length trousers and stuff. Like, I wanted all of this stuff in it because I wanted yeah. it to, you know, and then it's got, you know, Sublet is about the pandemic and it is about all of the awful things that are happening. And, and you know, there's, there's things about, you know, lying politicians and, Uh, you know even going to like the Eurostar one like about you know terrorism and all of that like there's a load of like the world is (laughs) just a bit of a nightmare really and I kind of wanted it to be of this time really. And I know that's a bit of a grand saying, but I kind of wanted to encapsulate a lot of that. So I'm quite pleased now that pandemic is like a thing because I'm like, okay, well, that kind of sums up. I was just going <laughs> to say to <laughs> you,
0: <laughs> you must love the app from all this <laughs> no, no. P- Ping in the news. I must say,
2: keep it going, keep it going. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but even, even the, the nature poems at the end, a lot more people were out walking and were out running. So even that ties in, doesn't it? to this? Yeah, thing. absolutely. Absolutely.
2: I mean, I, I it is interesting I kind of think well if I hadn't been here and I'd been in London I wonder what the book would have been like because it wouldn't have ended like that and yeah, I, yeah. I do wonder what it would have been like you know it's so yeah it's uh, it's funny yeah
0: yeah it did. I, I reckon yeah it would have been a different ending completely yeah yeah it's just to be about walking around the same park probably
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know <yeah. laughs> I'll be like oh I wish I'd wish i'd moved back up to the lake district <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah the limited green space in london so we i was going to ask you next obviously we spoke about the books and the books sorry, and some of the poetry in there and you've, you've already mentioned not many live readings yet but you had a you had a book launch online didn't you yeah how was how was that uh
2: yeah that was really cool so i um one of the wonderful things about poetry isn't it's is just the people that you meet oh, and for then, sure yeah so, uh I had three of my <laughs> three of my friends uh supporting me although it was one of those funny ones where one of them is uh a, an in real life friend who i've known since uh we both started uh the course together at Faber like five years ago or whatever it was um and then two people who I only met online uh last year. So my friend Steph, who I met at the Seamus Heaney Center like online course uh last year and then she has um, a friend called Miller van der Haave who lives in the Netherlands and she runs a really brilliant poetry night once a month called Poetry Lit um, and they always have an open mic, people should come along, it's, like, it's really, really good, I love it. Um, uh, but yeah, so I've never met them in real life. And uh, Miller said to me the day she said, "Oh, I imagine you're really tall," and I was like, "No, no, 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 I'm not tall." So when we meet, <laughs> I'll be happy. Um, so yeah, it was brilliant having having those uh, having those three supporting me. Um, again, it was just kind of a bit a bit weird because I'm so, you know like I, I'm so used to just having Zoom conferences like all the time it just felt like i was having a zoom conference again although um i was uh i i I did get told afterwards that i read too quickly so that was a good practice so i'm taking that as my kind of you know my my practice one and then Mm. when we go to london i'll do a real one then
0: nail it Um, nail it yeah i think one of the one of the weirdest things about doing the uh online open mics throughout this I think I did two, and it was it would be like this where it'd just be me and the host, and there's all these other people watching, and then you'd finish your poem, and be like, yeah, and you're like, thanks, and, and just, just yeah, one yeah, solitary yeah, clap, yeah, and you're like, thank you, thank
2: you, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's very odd. Just lots of hearts and clappy emojis. I was like, oh, uh, I, don't, I don't like it. I
2: know. it's weird. Yeah, no, I was. What I actually, I actually watched. I <laughs> said I watched the, the recording of it yesterday, just to kind of. Oh no, it wasn't that. Wasn't that? No, I um, I've since done a reading at Poetry Lit, which is um, the night that Miller runs, and uh, so I saw the video of that. But thankfully, there isn't a video of my life uh, of my first reading because I think I was talking too fast. Probably like I am now, but you know.
0: <laughs> no, it's all good. I'm, I'm, I'm murder for talking fast, so you're, you're fine, you're good, you're good. Let's talk about the writing process. So towards the end of the chat, so I asked not quick fire. you don't have to answer these quickly at all, but they' yes. three sort of uniform questions I ask because I just find the responses vary and yeah they're very interesting. So in your in terms of your writing process, once you've written a poem, you've got you've it in its first draft, you put it away for a bit, you bring it back to the table sometime later and you're going to edit it, what is the first thing you would do to that poem?
2: Well, I think the first thing, as you say, the first thing I would do is just leave it and then I come back to it. Um, Sometimes, if I'm very lucky, Mm. the poem can come out pretty much as I want it to be. So there are a few in there that actually have had very few changes to them. and those, but those are the ones that you kind of think, oh my God, it doesn't, it hasn't happened much, but it happened with one or two of them and you're like, oh, my God. so then you come back to them and I just kind of, I can kind of almost immediately see what's wrong. And normally it's that I've got like four of the same word in there or something going all the way through. Yeah, yeah. And then, so those are like quick edits. Um, I will often... Take sections out though, and kind of move things around quite a lot as well. So, and then often it will go back to the beginning again, <laughs> as it was. Yeah. But I would say I actually had a um, Richard Scott did a class um, once on editing, and it was such a brilliant um, class. He basically he brought in I, can't, I think it was one of his I think it was I think it's called the Bear or something like that, or it's about a bear. Um, but he um, and he brought in every kind of draft of it, and so from the very first one, and there was like pages of like you know forty or fifty pages of this thing before it got down to the final one. It was just really, really interesting to see that. Yeah, um, I haven't answered your question. I, I, I
0: <laughs> well, no, you sort you sort sure, sure of have you. So leaving it is a big thing for you.
2: Le- leaving it is the leaving it is the the main one for me. I do I do I find it quite interesting now to come back and look at. Um, look at the first drafts of stuff, because quite often they are quite close. They're they're not finished by any means, but they are quite close. Um, I don't know why that is. And I'm not saying, oh, yeah, it's great. I like do them in one go. (laughs) I mean, they are very different, but they are definitely recognisable to what they are. Yeah. But then sometimes, actually, sometimes I think, oh, yeah, no, I wrote that in one go. And then I go back to the first version and I'm like, no, it's nothing like the first version. So in my head, I think it's the same, but actually, it's not. Um, but, but I guess editing—I just edit it down. I do try and get rid of words. That's a good idea.
0: But even even what you said about moving it about and then going back to the to how it was initially—that's yeah. still I think that's still an important thing to do because until you'd moved it about, you you didn't really appreciate the form it was in or yeah. the way it was ordered before. So this is a good point.
2: So and actually, so there's um, the one once we were vikings which also nearly didn't go in and because i just couldn't get the shape of it right i just couldn't i was just like no it's not laid out right on the page at all and that was that that i've I've had that one for a long time and then i don't quite know what happened to it but i just did something with it one day where i moved it around slightly and then i was like hang on that's that almost looks like the front of a viking ship and i was like that well that's way it is then and I was like okay I can leave that now you know and it was a total accident so you know other people might not see that but to me it is
0: it's, <laughs> you it, it's odd that you brought that one up because that is one of the poems I remember instantly quite liking the look. because it's got this jagged look to it on the page yeah. hasn't it yeah yeah, yeah. And that, I quite like it. not
2: actually yeah.
0: yeah yeah I quite likes that I thought it went well because for me Vikings are lots of pointy things <laughs> on hats and long boats and yeah exactly yeah exactly. so exactly.
2: exactly but um
0: to go to the other side of it then and you, you've sort of already uh, m- sort of mentioned this a little bit because you said you know oh, I've looked at that poem and there's things i would change about that now and I think that's true of true of any poet but for you when is it time to walk away from the poem
2: um so uh sometimes <laughs> I just sometimes you just know don't you you're like, you like like you just can't leave it alone and you're like no it's not right it's not right and then you know we were saying about a puzzle like even when it's not uh so not with a form or even when you're not working to a form but sometimes you're just like okay I've got it and so like uh you were saying with the um file sharing 1987 one it's like I knew the idea of what it was going to be and I knew it was going to be about me and a friend um exchanging you know vinyl or whatever but I didn't know that it was gonna sort of end up being a kind of like an early coming out poem type of thing like that. Do you know, what I, mean? I had no yeah, idea yeah. that that was that at all. And I think that's one of the things of like, like I was saying earlier on about you know, oh, you've got the power of like the poem, but actually, you just sometimes the poem is just taking you away, isn't it? And and. I was trying to get this to finish and I couldn't get it to work and then suddenly it just went in a completely different direction and became about like, you know, oh, it's a coming out poem. Oh, there's your last line. And then at that point, you're like, OK, that's it. Leave it now. Do you know what I mean? And so that that was a really like that. That was probably my first magical moment in writing a poem. Actually, mm. genuinely, I was like, OK, so that's that's actually the the, the first really finished poem that i ever did actually and um so i knew that one was finished but then you've got other ones like cycling to outcast where i was like no it's not right it's not right i can't it's not right and that i mean genuinely that's it was like five years of it just being there and being like well it's probably not going to be right and then actually going past the allotments and being like oh there you go Mm. and then it was finished and uh, it was only at that point that i was certain it was going to go in the book so again for me it is almost like leaving it um i mentioned Naomi Shihab Nye before as well but she's got a poem about um uh, how do you know when the poem is finished basically and it's all about uh when you leave the room it's not finished or it's not ready or whatever and then when you come back in you kind of move the move the cushion to the blue chair or whatever and but actually it looks nice there so why not just leave it kind of thing and like She's right really because otherwise you could just keep changing things forever couldn't you in some of them
0: <laughs> oh 100 yeah you could be tinkering around for ages i love uh i love that you you were talking about the sort of eureka moment in file sharing because i thought one of one of the great things about that poem was like there's it's, it's very gentle and i think if it came very naturally to you to write this about swapping records and then it ended up as a coming out poem it it almost without you realizing it that that sort of transcended into the poem as well because it just sort of ebbs and flows into it's like your thought process there's a naivety to that poem as well because you know you're discovering yourself but you're also discovering the new music taste i I think it's a great poem yeah Yeah. thank you thank you yeah yeah so massively broad question to finish up on why poetry? Here are me and you sat here for an hour. We're chatting about poetry in 2021. People, obviously, through the pandemic, poetry's probably gone through the roof, I imagine. People mm. online and people more time to read indoors. But even before that, poetry books and sales absolutely roared. Sure. So, why, in your opinion, why do you think poetry is deemed such an important work of literature now? Why has it got such a draw, do you think, in the 21st century?
2: Um, I think it. <sighs> It's just a really good way of making sense of the world, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's just, I know for me, I if, if now something is really bothering me or getting at me or something like that, I can actually deal with it by one of two things, either going for a run <laughs> or writing a poem or mm. both. Um, and it's just, I think poetry is just a really incredible way of... Um, dealing with your emotions in a world that has quite frankly just gone mad hasn't it so yeah. so that's that that's one thing um i also is this a terrible thing to say but my attention span is like so bad now <laughs> that i can't read novels anymore yeah and i find so actually short stories cool i can be short stories and but poems are just brilliant because you can pick one up you can read it you can read it on face value and be like ah, uh, you know oh wow I've read a poem or you can just really read it and like be like you know, do you know what I mean and so you mm-hmm. can play around with it and spend a lot more time just focusing on it if you want and it's, yeah I, I, I those are my reasons I think
0: yeah no I think it's spot on it has got that uh that beauty that you you can just take a surface reading and it fits into the sort of 21st century agenda doesn't it of scrolling almost or well, then it is weird spend more I'm time to- on it.
2: yeah but I am thinking about like because why you know because I got into it you know when I was late like older and it's you know it was already kind of being it was already like getting pretty big at that point and so I must have kind of got the poetry vibes from somewhere else and it, like you know so I mean it's massive now isn't
0: it it's just well it, it's it, it it has infiltrated like mainstream media as well I mean there's lots of I mean your world advertising on tv on radio or on the back of you know serial things like that that, that are the poems that like the nationwide adverts for example they're yeah. all poets The lot those have been on here as well but there's something cool about poetry
2: yeah now, yeah, 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 which is odd
0: because it's never been cool really <laughs> but there you go yeah
2: well um, it's also weird like a lot of my friends before I, I my friends before the book was coming out and stuff like none of them even really knew that I sort of wrote poetry like
0: you know mm-hmm.
2: so yeah they're like oh what you write poetry like, yes
0: yeah. <laughs> yes I've got a book coming out actually yeah <laughs> go, exactly <laughs> go, go and buy it yeah uh, it, <laughs> Ian, it's, uh, it's been great to talk to you. Where can people uh, find Ping, keep up tabs on you on social media? Um,
2: so you can find Ping on um, rightbloodyuk.co.uk or if you are listening from abroad, you can buy it from uh, rightbloodynorth, I think. Yeah. .com <laughs> or rightbloody.com. Um, I mean, I yeah, we haven't really talked much about social media, do we? I mean, I, I, I'm kind of on social media because, uh, you know, everyone is on social media. And I do find Twitter very handy for finding out about contests, for example, like Right Bloody, because I wouldn't have found out about it if it wasn't for that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm on, uh, I can't even remember what my handle is. On Instagram, I'm Poetrian, which is P-O-E-T-R-I-A-I-N. Maybe I should get a snappier handle than that. Actually, so I have to tell you, I was on Instagram before it was owned by Facebook, and I think my handle was at Ian or at Ian W. It was like it was something that it was like brilliant, and I was like, oh wow, amazing. And then like I got drunk one night, I was like, I hate social media, and deleted it, and it said something like warning: if you delete this, you will never have this handle. And uh, and then I was like, oh damn, should have kept that. It was quite a good one.
0: Now Ian e W in Devon's like <laughs> flaunting your old hand. Yeah, exactly. You
2: know? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, but it is important to know that I am Ian with two eyes. Because actually, I'm really sorry to the other Ian Whiteley poet, but there is another Ian Whiteley poet as well. Um, yeah. So uh, and I think he's been going for a lot longer than I have. So I've kind <laughs> of him.
0: sorry. Well, uh, yeah, I've got the same walked relationship with you. If I don't think if I did the podcast or yeah the poetry world has kept me on there definitely because you find out about events or workshops or readings don't you so but but yes go and check out ian's socials go and get a copy of ping it's on right buddy uk it is brilliant thank you for sitting and chatting ian
2: Thanks, man. It's been great. I really enjoyed it.
0: Since speaking to Ian, a date has been confirmed for that night that we were talking about of poetry face to face back in the real world again. Can't wait for that. It's September the 23rd down at Deptford Does Art. And if you thought you were lucky enough to be hearing Ian do his poetry live. We've also got the fantastic Ollie O'Neill reading poetry that night as well. You may remember her from previous series. She had a wonderful collection out on right bloody uk called what we are given and if you haven't heard that episode with ollie go back and listen to it she is brilliant and ian kindly recited one of the poems we were speaking about in our chat there the rats of 214 oxford street
2: the rats of 214 oxford street in memory of big top shop 1994 to 2021 it was always so tricky in that building handy for harbourage and every convenience. But it was the noise, those blasted DJs spinning house from ten till ten and later on launch nights, and even then there was no peace. Cleaners, stockists, visual merchandisers fussing till first tube, which was why from Britpop to Brexit, they huddled in cavity walls and ceilings, breeding and feeding and hiding and thieving till everything stopped overnight. Everyone just vanished and they couldn't put their claws on why. Still, the quiet flushed them out to this six tier explosion of suede neon and impossibly chiselled mannequins which were first to get weed on. They ratted the hair salon on the lower ground floor, dip dyed their whiskers, span round in barber chairs, sugared their ratty brows. Across the way, they raticured nails in rose gold and mint left trails as they skittered the stairs in menswear they savaged spray on jeans took one leg per tail got grills for their front incisors the stupid ones pierced their tongues word got round and as the bins on oxford street emptied neighbors all the way to regent street cinema joined the throngs of ratus fashionistas gnawing cute tubs of frosting tapioca bubbles and endless racks of leather This was the flagship of all rat ships, 90,000 square feet of overconsumption, feasting on the fabric of slave labor and falling apart at the seams. Conditions became unsanitary, the building unsafe, and boss rats scuttled off with their pensions yet on they gnawed and writhed and chewed through straps and shoes fabrics manbags, crazed and ravenous unable to stop unwilling spilling through doors windows floors to bond street south Moulton, mayfair the sewers below
0: a massive thank you as always to you at home for listening if you've enjoyed the show please do share it with a friend you can find us on instagram at people's poetry podcast over on twitter at people underscore poetry you can find us on facebook people's poetry podcast i'm on twitter jbo that's jbo pens poems and you can email us if you want to get involved with the show if you're a poet yourself and you'd like to sit down and chat or social media just don't cut the mustard and you want to get in touch it's people's poetry podcast at hotmail.com